0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Friday, February the 4th, 2022. It is currently 4.51 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church, located right here in the middle of nowhere, Texas. And I know it's Friday, and that means we're, we're basically just one day from concluding the Bible study exercise for this week. And I, I, I feel frustrated and somewhat disappointed that we really didn't have the opportunity maybe to do as much as we needed to for this Bible study exercise. But obviously, I cannot control the weather. And here in West Texas, we got hit with a winter storm. That basically stopped me from being able to come to the church on Wednesday and Thursday. So here we are Friday. We're at the end of the week, really one day left, and and I don't want it to—can I say this? I don't want it to feel like that we didn't do justice <laughs> to this week's Bible study. Yes, I, I'm I'm doing that on purpose because this week we have been— working on Genesis 39 and chapter 40 some some passages some sections in Genesis 39 and 40 but we've really been talking about injustice and justice and I know the the term justice is been being used so much within culture and some Christians when you start talking about Justice. They start thinking you're talking about social justice and and that you're liberal and everyone loses their minds. And I really wanted us to focus on the biblical concept of justice and really wanted people thinking about it, looking up scriptures in regards to it, so that they would really be challenged to think biblically in regards to this subject. Now, I think there is a, a tendency and a lot of preaching... Maybe to focus on what do you do when you are a victim of injustice? What do you do when someone doesn't treat you in a just way? And we 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 definitely have talked about that and and a number of studies and the the sermon I did last Sunday. I really think I've addressed that issue as much as possible. Well, I'll put it this way. I think I've addressed it in many ways, maybe not as much as possible, but I, I, I definitely want you to at least consider that, that when you are a victim of injustice, when someone does not treat you in a just manner, what is the biblical way to respond? We definitely need to have that down. And But I think we've done a lot of discussion about that. But the one area that I'm afraid often gets overlooked is, and, and again, we, we can see why we would put the emphasis on how do you respond when you're not treated in a just way, because it really becomes about, well, we, we definitely we definitely tend to react strongly when we are mistreated and we are not treated in a, in a, in a correct way. So we, we can see why we would put the focus on that. We're not so quick to put the focus on us when it comes to our responsibility. Right? So in other words, it's one thing to go, okay, how should I react when I'm treated in an unjust manner? Because I want to know what, how I should, should move forward and how I can get past this. It's almost like we, we look at the way we handle injustice. It's about us and our own mental health and about us having a good, positive life. We almost view it in a very selfish way, but we're not so quick to put the spotlight on us to say, wait a minute, what is my responsibility to do justice and to perform, to, to what what's my responsibility in regards to justice and how I live my life? We're not as quick to put the spotlight on us because now it comes down to our responsibility. Does, I hope that makes sense. I know you can say, well, it is my responsibility to handle injustice in a biblical way. Yes, but we have a tendency to sell that as, well, you want to handle injustice in a biblical way because it'll be better for your life. It'll help you. You won't be destroyed by bitterness and anger. We 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 sell it as it's a positive thing for you. It's it's not as easy to sell it as being positive as okay, here's what you need to do and how you act towards other people. It's it's not as easy to 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 necessarily present it in that way. But I really want this focus on on tonight and tomorrow. I really want you to think about your responsibility when it comes to justice. Living in the world in which you live and dealing with the people you deal with, whether it's strangers, whether it's family, whether it's church members, no matter what, I want you to think, what does the Bible say in regards to your responsibility when it comes to justice? That's what I want you to think about. And, I, and I've and i got just a few scriptures written down that I'm going to read And then maybe this will spark you looking up some additional scriptures to really cross-reference these and to add to it, okay? But before we do all of that, before we do all of that, let's just remind you, all right, that the text for this week's study is Genesis 39, 21 to 23, chapter 40, verses 4 through 8, and chapter 40, verses 20 through 23. Hopefully you've read it more than once, hopefully more than five times, but at a minimum of at least five times, all right? Um then the uh, memory verses that we're supposed to memorize this week is Genesis 39:21, Genesis 39:21. Let me just go here to the memory verses really quick. Genesis 39 verse 21 where we read this. Uh, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. All right. Now, the main reason I want you, or, that's Genesis 31, 21. I apologize. See, make sure I give you the right one. No, that's that's correct. Genesis 39, 21. I cannot read my own writing. Now, the main reason I wanted you to remember, focus on this one is, yeah, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord showed him mercy, but please know where Joseph is. He is in prison. And why is he in prison? He's in prison because he's basically accused and there's no nice way to say it. He's basically accused of rape. He's basically accused of doing something to this woman and he's falsely accused. It's a false accusation that places him in prison. He is the victim of injustice. He is, he's not receiving justice. He is being victimized by injustice, false accusations, and no one b- bothering to try to get to the truth. He's just accused and he's in prison. But the Lord is with him. I know that raises all kinds of other questions. But just re- remember, he is a victim of injustice. So you can see why the focus would be, well, how do you handle it when you're falsely accused and you end up in prison? What is the biblical response to that injustice? Okay, that, that makes sense. But that's Genesis thirty-nine twenty-one. The second memory verse is Genesis chapter 40, verse 23, where we read these words. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Joseph ends up in prison. He gets an opportunity to help someone out. He does, but he says, hey, can you remember me? And they forget him. So now Joseph is not only placed in prison because of injustice, he even helps someone within, in prison, and then he is forgotten, almost in a sense, once again, tr- being a victimized by injustice. So how do you handle injustice? Okay, great. I, that's really the emphasis of the text. And if I, if we just left it there this week, that would be okay. I mean, I think we would have, I, I, I mean, I would still be discouraged that we didn't do enough, but at least I would think, at least I got you thinking and how to handle injustice because look, Constantly you respond to how people treat you when you don't feel like you've been treated in a fair way. And a lot of times your response has nothing to do with the Bible, with Christianity, with God. It has everything to do with your pride, your ego, and your anger. So we really need to focus on that. But I want to go a step beyond it. What is my responsibility when it comes to the concept of justice as I live my life out in this culture and in this world? How do I respond when I'm treated in an unjust manner? But what is my responsibility in carrying out justice? So I looked up just a couple of scriptures. I was, I was, uh, I'm dropping, I'm dropping my pencil. I apologize. I was just in between live broadcasts. I was just kind of walking up and down the middle aisle of the sanctuary here in the church. And I just kept saying, okay, yes, we, I know, I know we can talk about, I, I, I could turn on the microphone every day. And talk about how should people respond when they're treated in an unjust manner, and it would always be convicting because we can think of every situation where, as soon as we're ha- someone treats us in a way we don't think is fair as right, we typically respond in a way that's not biblical. I could turn on the microphone every day and talk about that, but I just think that we've almost left it to the cult. Co- it's now it's the lost people saying we must you know, be involved in justice, and we must act in a just manner. And it's many Christians are like, well, that's that social justice stuff. But the Bible talks about us acting in a just manner. In fact, we we shouldn't have allowed this to be hijacked by the culture. We should have been the ones talking about it way before anybody else. So let's look up some scriptures. I just wrote a couple of down, all right? There's plenty I could look at. But the first one that I ended up with is Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus chapter 19. And... uh, Oh there's 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 a lot here we could look at. There's so much in Leviticus 19. But let's just go to verse 35. Leviticus chapter 19. Let's just look at verses 35 through 37. All right. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 35-37. And this is your responsibility when it comes to justice. Not and not your responsibility when someone does something to you in an unjust way, but your responsibility in a positive way, right? And what you're supposed to be doing. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 35. Obviously the context here, uh, is, um, <laughs> well, oh, there's so much in this chapter. I'm gonna, I may leave one for, uh, I may leave one for, uh, homework. Oh. Oh man, there's the, oh, there's so much I want to do here. Okay, we'll just go to verse 35. Yeah, that the there's some there's some verses here that could be uh, extremely controversial, but that's okay. Leviticus 19. Let's start in verse 35. Obviously, this has first and foremost its historical context is to Israel. These are instructions for Israel, and again, very much establishing law and behavior as they're getting ready to go into the preparing them and, and essentially getting them ready for what it will be like when they go into the promised land. How are they to live? In the midst, think of it this way if you think about the geni- or Exodus, especially Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, over and over and over. There are these instructions to Israel and how they are to live when they go into a culture that does not believe in their God, that rejects their God. When, when, you, when you're living your life out in a hostile culture that does not love your God and hate your God and oppose to your God, what is your responsibility? Well, one of your responsibilities is to live your life in a just manner. And then look, we see this a little bit here in Leviticus 19, verse 35. You shall do no unrighteousness, In judgment, in metayard, in weight, or in measure. Now, now what exactly is going on here? You shall do no unrighteousness in judgment, in metayard, in weight, or in measure. Now, maybe to get an idea of exactly what's being said here, let me read it from a number of translations so that you can just kind of hear what's going on here. Leviticus 19.35, do not use dishonest standards when measuring length, weight, or quantity. New Living Translation, do not use dishonest standards when measuring length, weight, or volume. ESV, you shall do no wrong in judgment and measures of length, weight, or quantity. Berean Study Bible, you must not use dishonest dishonest measures of length, weight, or or volume. This is when you're dealing with other people in any kind of a business transaction or in, or in anything. In other words, you must demonstrate honesty in your dealings with other people if it involves length, weight, or quantity. This could be in, in any kind of business transaction and any of that. In other words, you want to have honesty and be upright in your dealings with other people. That's what you must do. No cutting corners, no trying to manipulate something for your benefit. That's not how you are to live out your Christian life. That's the idea of justice being carried out in a practical way. but it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Look at verse 36. "Just balances, just weights, a just Epha, and just him. And a just hen shall you have. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. I'm going to read that in a another another translation. Use honest scales and honest weights and honest ephah and honest hen. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt. In other words, you you must be honest in your scales and in your weights. It's just reemphasizing what was already said. You must be honest. Honest and upright and integrity in your business dealings, in your dealings with other people. Another one: your scales and weights must be accurate. Your containers for measuring dry materials or liquids must be accurate. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So if you're dealing with with uh, measuring dry materials or liquids, there's the ephah and the I think the it's the the other translation uses a uh, hin. H I N this is the measurement of some of dry materials or liquid no matter what when you're measuring things to sell them you make sure you're measuring things correctly and honestly so that you're not cheating anyone you're not there to cheat anyone to deceive anyone for your own dishonest gain Christians should be the ones practicing having the most integrity and justice and our dealings with other people in any kind of financial transaction or any kind of business dealings. We shouldn't be cutting the corners. We shouldn't be doing things that are not honest. All right? The uh, next verse, that's, uh, that's Leviticus chapter 19. That's uh, verse uh, 35 and 30, uh, 36, verse 37. Therefore shall you observe all my statutes and all my judgments and do them. I am the Lord. What, when it comes to a, Christ, a Christian, you should act in a just manner towards other people because your God is a just God. You want to reflect God being a just God and you handling yourself in a just manner, especially when you're dealing with people in a business transaction. You want to be fair. You want to be as honest as you can possibly be in those situations. All right? So there's Leviticus 19, 35-37. The same concept shows up in, I believe, Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11. Proverbs chapter 11, verse, I believe it's verse 1, Proverbs 11, 1. Yes, Proverbs 11, 1. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. A false balance is an abomination. It's an abomination to God. See, we, we think of an abomination. Now, you, you'll hear Christians talking about homosexuality being an abomination before God. Well, what about just actions in business? Is that not an abomination before God? That I mean, look, someone will be church disciplined in many cases quickly for committing the abomination of homosexuality. But the abomination, I don't know, of a, 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 a false balance of not being accurate and fair in your business transactions and dealings, that in many cases is almost like, eh, whatever. We have to be the ones demonstrating justice in how we conduct ourselves in those areas, all right? So there's Leviticus 35, uh, 19, 35 through 37, Proverbs 11, 1. Let's go to Proverbs 31, 9. Let's go to Proverbs 31, 9. Proverbs 31 9. Proverbs 31 9. We read this. Proverbs 31 9. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Proverbs 31 9. Another way we practice justice is when we speak up for people. When we speak up for those who can't speak for themselves, when we defend the helpless, we defend those who may not even be able to provide anything for us because they're poor and needy. Do you speak up or do you have a tendency to be silent? Do you have a tendency to be quiet because you don't want to put yourself, you don't want to put the target on your back? We need to be we need to show justice in our business transactions. We need to show uh, justice and, and our the way we handle ourselves as an employee and as as an employer. All right? So so anything dealing with work and and business, we need to demonstrate justice. But we also need to demonstrate justice when we open our mouth for people, we defend people, we speak up for people. Now, this is just one verse dealing with this, but I just want you to consider uh, how quickly are you to jump up and defend someone? How quickly are you to do that? There are some people who will be like, nope, I'm not, I'm not, nope, I'm not in that situation. That doesn't involve me. I'm just going to stay out of it because if I get involved in that, then I'm going to have to deal with it. And a lot of people won't speak up. That's, that's not practicing justice. You've got to open your mouth. We open our mouth to talk all the time. Just many cases, we don't open our mouth to, to defend or to help someone. We open our mouth to destroy people. We open our mouth to expose and, and gossip and slander. Rarely do we open our mouth to provide any defense or or, or cover or protection. We, we, we do more to, to bring people down than to protect and help and build people up. Open your mouth. I can th- I can think of all kinds of situations, but you can as well. I mean, look the best the best place where this would be I mean, this would be a, a very this will be an illustration everyone can understand because depending on your personality, you were you you probably w- have been involved in some kind of situation like this. Let's just think of the average high school, all right. Some of you may be very old and you don't remember, but just remember back in your school days. Now, maybe you don't even realize how, how, you, how you handled yourself, but there are those times where you clearly see an injustice going on, someone being bullied, someone being picked on, someone, everyone's laughing at that person, and you saw it, and there was a very good chance, depending on your personality, that you did not speak up. You may not have engaged in it, but you definitely did not come to their defense. You weren't gonna put yourself and, and, you know, you were not going to put yourself in the middle of that because now you are going to become the target of harassment and of joking and being made fun of or bullying. As Christians, we should be the ones who will open our mouth for the poor and the needy, for those who cannot speak for themselves. We have to be the ones to, to speak up because it's not about us, it's about justice, it's about what's right. And sometimes you'll see Christians just who... I don't know what they do. They just, they won't, they won't, they don't want to hurt themselves. Just like in high school, many young people will not, again, they may not be engaged in it, but they're not going to put themselves in the middle of it. And there's, there's a little bit of a cowardice to that. It's it's about you worried about yourself more than you're worried about someone else. That's an idea of justice. Okay. That's an idea of justice. Sometimes you got to speak up when everyone's piling on. Sometimes you got to be the one to kind of step up and go, whoa, 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 whoa. Are we handling ourselves the correct way here? Now, I'm expanding it beyond just the poor and the needy, but but I'm just saying anyone who's in need and who's poor in the sense that they have nothing, they can't speak for themselves, someone's got to open up their mouth, and it should be the Christian who is defending the hopeless and the helpless. I think that makes sense. I think that's a good way. There's probably some other scriptures you can apply there. So Leviticus 19, 35 to 37, Proverbs 11, 1, Proverbs 31, 9. How about James chapter 2? James chapter 2. James 2, 1 and following. Everybody knows this one. James chapter 2, verse 1. My brethren... Oh, that's, uh, uh, Will just brought up a good point. He he says, speak up for the unborn, although not popular. Yes, I think speaking up for the unborn um, would be a, a situation where we're speaking up for the poor and the needy in the sense that they cannot speak for themselves. So what, what can we do in those situations? How could we help in those situations? At least one, trying to remind people that they're, that, that, they're human beings that they're they have life and that they their sanctity to that life. I think that would be one important concept there of, of what we can do. Um, in many cases, um, I think that can I think for some in some cases that can be uh, unpopular. I think within many Christian circles, speaking up for the unborn is very popular. Where we may neglect speaking up for people in other situations. So, but yeah, it would definitely be applicable here. It would definitely be applicable here. All right. James chapter two, verse one. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto you an, uh, in your assembly a man with gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come and also a poor man in vile raiment, and you have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, "Sitteth thou here in the good place?" And say to the poor, "Stand thou there, or sit there under my footstool." Are you not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Now this is a, a situation where, if we're going to demonstrate justice, one of the things we can do is not not practicing partiality or favoritism. Um, in fact, my Bible above James chapter 2 says favoritism, favoritism condemned. We are to, as Christians, we are to not practice favoritism. We are to show love to all people. We are to, we are to speak against that kind of thing and most importantly, not practice it. That's the most important thing. Not practice favoritism. Not engage in that way of thinking. James clearly condemns it here, right? Um, he goes on to say, um, verse five, hearken my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of the world, rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? But you have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do they do the, not they blaspheme the worthy name by the which ye are called? If you fulfill the royal law, uh, according to the scripture, thou shall love thy neighbor as thyself. We should love others, not not demonstrating favoritism. That that's another way in which we can practice and carry out justice. So we could we need to practice and carry out justice in our business and our employment and work and our dealing with people in any form of business transaction, being honest. Being up front, not not having a dishonest measurement, dishonest scale. We are, we are very up, upright, honest, and demonstrate integrity there. That's how we practice justice in the culture. Um, we uh, demonstrate uh, justice and practice justice when we open our mouth for the poor and the needy. We speak for those who are defenseless and helpless. Yes, including the unborn, but everyone, everyone. We speak up for, and we're willing to put ourselves in the middle of it. And a lot of times people are, man, they, they don't want to hurt themselves. And, and you can't, you, 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 you got you to be the one to sometimes come to someone's defense and, and, and to try to ensure that justice is being carried out in some meaningful way. And then James 2 tells us not to practice favoritism. Not only do we not practice it, we would speak out against it. We would be like the one saying, no, that's not right. That's showing favoritism, partiality. We cannot do that. We need to demonstrate love for all people. Those are some just specific ways in which you can practice justice. But I want to point out another one because it it takes takes me back to the Leviticus passage, if I can speak correctly. Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus 19, verse 33, which introduces something that I'm going to leave for you to, to work on for homework. Leviticus 19, verse 33. And if a stranger sojourn with thee in your land, you shall not vex him. But the stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born among you, and thou shalt love him as thyself for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Now this is obviously specific rules for Israel living under kind of a theocracy. So we, we, we I don't want to rip this out of its historical context. But the Old Testament definitely seems to give very specific rules on how Israel was to treat the foreigner, the stranger in their land. How it was to treat them. Now we can get it. This gets into some very, 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 I know, controversial subjects and our and our culture. I mean, I, I look, I'm, I'm right here in West Texas, right? You start talking about the stranger in the land, right? Someone who, in our in our terminology and our culture, would be an illegal alien, someone an illegal immigrant, someone who's in the country illegally. What? How should a Christian view that? How should a Christian? think about that. Now, there's, uh, listen, listen carefully. I know there are uh, countless issues to consider. I do not in any way, shape, or form want to oversimplify this. I do not want to in any way, shape, or form try to undermine all of the different uh, issues related to this subject. I just think sometimes Christians turn into po- to politicians before they turn into biblical students. So here's what I would challenge you to do just as we think about justice just think about all of the rules that God gave his people in dealing with the strangers in the land. Uh, all you you I just think of two just think of two concepts all the rules that God gave Israel in regards to strangers in the land, and some of the rules God gave Israel in regards to the poor and the needy in the land. There's some very specific rules there. Like even about how they, what, when they were harvesting, they would leave things for the poor and the needy. Things, what were their responsibility for the stranger? How did they view them? Because the, 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 the concept here is that, hey, you were a stranger in the land. You were a stranger in the land. You need to then be be a a reminder of the strangers in the land around you. And I want to make it very clear from a biblical perspective, we're the strangers. We're the illegal aliens, okay? We're the illegal immigrants because this is not our home. We're not from here. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're the illegals, in a sense, from a biblical perspective. So we should then remember those who too find themselves in that situation. Now, I'm not in any way, shape, or form saying countries should just throw out all rules and there should not be any borders. That gets into all we that gets into the responsibility of government. That gets into what how government should handle this. But we need to remember. This is very important as a Christian. And so your homework is simple. Just, I want you to just look at the scriptures and I'm not in any me, I'm not trying to change your political views here. I just want you to consider all the scriptures about what God gave, the the responsibility he gave to his people, Israel, and how they regarded strangers in the land and how they were to handle uh, the poor and the needy. There's just some specific rules. Now, we understand There's some, at the same time, when you're dealing with the Bible, you're dealing with something very complex, right? There's all kinds of different moving parts because there's other situations where God tells Israel, go into that land and kill everyone, man, woman, boy, girl, and child, everything. Just kill everything. There's some situations where like, whoa, that's shocking and that is horrible. And then there's other situations where God is like, hey, this is your responsibility to the stranger. I mean, even they're right there in Leviticus. I mean, what does he say right there in Leviticus? Let me, I'm just going to go back to a number of translations here. He says, the foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself for you were foreigners in Egypt. Uh, Another translation. This is Leviticus 1934. Treat them like native born Israelites and love them as you love yourself. Remember that you were once foreigners i can just give you another scripture, Exodus 22, 21. You must not exploit or oppress a foreign resident for you yourselves were foreigners in the land of Egypt. I mean, I can find you all. There's lots of cross-references. Just run cross-references. What was Israel's responsibility to the foreigner and the stranger and what was their responsibility to the uh, to the poor and the needy? Now, all I'm saying is what, however you view things, You can't ignore that. You can't ignore that. Typically what I hear is illegal immigrants, they broke the law, and if they break the law, they should be punished. Okay, I understand that. And they would say the government has a right to to law, and they did not follow the government. The government should punish them. Now, it's really interesting that sometimes we want the government to punish people for breaking the law, and then the next minute you have Christians saying, well, Romans 13 doesn't apply, and we don't have to follow those rules. Sometimes we like the rules, sometimes we don't like the rules. We could get into a whole discussion there. But what, whatever you're doing, whatever, how much emphasis you want to place on law and borders and, and border control and, and, and walls, whatever your emphasis is on that, that's fine. You, you you can you can have that emphasis. I'm saying that as a Christian, you can't ignore the rest of the thing the the Bible has to say in regards to how we treat people from a biblical perspective. In other words, we have to. The idea of justice has to take all of these things into account. And I think just I, I hear I hear the emphasis in one direction and 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 ignoring. Well, this is what happens if it's a very liberal, 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 progressive church they will immediately go to these verses and emphasize these verses. And they may ignore other concepts about law, obeying the law, the government having a right to punish people who break the law. They may ignore that. And then you'll have many conservative churches will ignore the passages about, well, treating the stranger as, well, a native born. Now, of course, this is for Israel, I understand. But I'm saying at least the concept there, how do I bring that into my life at least from a from a concept, because the Bible tells me to well not show favoritism. The Bible tells me to love even my enemy. So so how do I how do I work that? How do I handle that? What what what's the what's the correct way there? What's the correct way? Uh, so and so but conservative churches will forget these passages and then focus on on the law and 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 punishing people, and the liberal churches will focus on this and ignore the passages about the law. That's the problem with, with Christianity sometimes, is we pick and choose what verses we want, ignore the ones we don't, and in many cases be more influenced by politics than we are the Bible. All I'm asking you to do as we conclude this week of study, and, and a week that we haven't been able to spend as much time as we, we should have because of things that happened, I want you to at least think about balancing out your perspective. That's all I'm asking. Balancing out your perspective. Look, I know I've got some people listening who are very much, who are absolutely 100%. Build that wall. Build that wall. We need Trump back. We need to deport people from this country. We need to get them out. That's it. Right? And, and they're very much there. They would, they would still, I, they're, they're brothers and sisters in the Lord, but they would really emphasize that. And there's probably, a. F- I don't know what the audience breakup is. I think most would probably be closer to that camp. Uh, and then others, maybe there's some, some, a few would be more in a camp like, well, wait a minute here. What, what, what's a biblical way to look at this? How, how, do, we, how do we view this? And, and they may come across as being more liberal and not so much uh, wanting Trump and a wall and deportation. They may want a different approach. Now, I know that there, there's societal issues, economic issues, uh, social resources. There, there's so many. Look, it's there, not an easy decision. It's not an easy decision. But I think sometimes as Christians, we, we, we forget we forget the Bible and we start looking at it politically. And if we're going to talk about biblical justice— we have to think about what the Bible has to say in regards to some of these situations and how to handle this. I'll give you an example. Um, what if a child is born, uh, he's brought here illegally. He's born here and he's allowed to stay here in the United States. Some people think that that right should be revoked. And, uh, or, or a child, say a child is brought here because if they're born here, obviously, then they have citizenship. But if they're brought here as a child and they're given the right to stay here uh, because they were brought here as a child, some believe that right should be revoked and they should be deported. Others will believe, well, they were brought here as a child. They've already been here 5, 10, 15 years. This is pr- pretty much the country they know. They should be given a right and be given a clear path to citizenship, and they should be able to do that, and this should be expedited because they've already been here 10 to 15 years, and you know th- this is basically their home. I know that you can get all kinds of different arguments back and forth, right? I, I know I-, I immediately said the children who are-, who are born here. Children who are born here obviously would be citizens. I'm talking about those who were brought here as a young child, right? We can get into the the different programs and how they've been classified. I'm not trying to use any of the political language on purpose because then that sends up, you know, everybody goes crazy if you start talking any of the political language. But many times when I hear Christians talk about those situations— they're like I don't care. They were brought here illegally. They don't have a right to be here. They need to get out. They're taking away resources from people who already live here, uh, who are who are actual citizens here. They're taking away their jobs. They're taking no. They need to be deported. And it's like, okay, well, slow down, slow down. Okay, I understand what you're saying, but uh, just think about it. How should possibly we view it from a biblical perspective? That, that's all I'm saying. When it comes to because I want you to see that the concepts of justice here directly relate to to issues that that you encounter and 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 culture. These are these are issues that, as a Christian, well, what is a biblical way of looking at it? It's not always easy. I asked the people in the Discord group the other day about the situation uh, uh, with the uh, the special forces going after the terrorist leader, who uh, now we're getting reports that he actually blew himself up and his family as the uh, uh, the American troops were approaching. Um, they're still. We'll have to wait until all the information comes out. But I immediately brought that up as like, okay, so how do we understand this in light of the just war doctrine, which tries to understand war from the perspective of biblical justice and righteousness and when can we support it and when should we condemn it and when is it right, when is it wrong? How do we view these kinds of situations? How do we view those drone strikes? because uh, initially I thought it was possibly a drone strike when I first saw the initial report. Turns out I think it was a little different. But even if it was a drone strike, how do we, how do we view that? And, and, and they're difficult questions. There's no easy answer in some of these situations. What I'm trying to get you to do is to think, okay, wait a minute, here's the situation. All right, all right. I hear all the politicians. I hear all the news channels. All right, I hear everyone on social media. Okay, everyone just stop talking. What would God have me think about this situation? What would God have to say about this situation? That's what I want you to learn to do. That's what I want you to learn to do. That, because it, it's if we if we don't think that way, then we become we become the product of the culture instead of the product of the gospel. We become we begin to reflect culture. Than the gospel. I mean, I live here in West Texas, and there's strong opinions about immigration in this part of the country, obviously. Strong opinions. And and I, I'm not saying that those opinions, whether I whether I may initially agree or disagree with them, I'm not saying they're not valid. What bothers me is when I hear Christians talk and I don't hear gospel, I don't hear Bible, I hear, I hear political rhetoric. That's what bothers me. Now, I got no problem looking at the biblical situation and going, well, that's how God wanted Israel to conduct themselves as a nation. I can't necessarily say those laws should be our laws as a nation. Now, you, you could argue, should those laws, should we adopt a, a law? Uh, should we support laws that would be more in line with what God called Israel to do to, to the stranger? here in the United States of America, like you could get into a whole discussion here, right? Clearly these are laws are made for Israel. No question about, it. Here, here's the reason I, I bring this up. Some Christians will go to Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and, and different things of the Old Testament and go, I want that law as one of our laws. That behavior should be condemned because God condemned it in the Old Testament. I'm like, well, God also gave Israel laws about how to handle the foreigner and the stranger. Do you want that to be the law of the nation? And quickly Christians are like, no, that's only for Israel. So you want that law put in place, even though it was for Israel, and you don't want that law that was put in place for Israel. You see how we can be, we can do some really strange things. I understand it's a law for Israel. I don't want anyone emailing me arguing that I don't understand that. I'm saying that there's an attitude there. There's some principles there. And I don't want you to look them up for yourself. What did God tell them to do with for the stranger, for the foreigner? And what, God, what did God tell them to do for the poor and the needy? put it this way compassion for the foreigner and compassion and care for the poor and the needy should not just be considered a liberal cause it has to be understood as a biblical attitude when it comes to the biblical concept of justice there's no easy answers I'm not there's no there's no way to even pretend there's an easy answer there there isn't because there's so many social issues that I'm very aware of, of economics and all kinds of other things, of security, national security. I understand how, how all of this works. And I understand that the idea about law breaking and, and obeying laws. I, there's so many factors there that I understand. And there, and there aren't there – none of these situations are going to be easily uh, fixed. So think about it this way. Here's what I think sometimes is interesting. The culture is so divided on these issues and nobody in the culture can agree and they yell and scream at each other. What's kind of depressing is if you bring up some of these issues, even within the church, you get the same kind of division, disagreement, maybe not quite the same level of yelling. You may get church splits, uh, but it just seems like you that we can't even really find agreement within the body of Christ. And many cases, the church splits along the same kind of political lines as the culture splits. And I, I don't like that. I just wish the church could be different. I don't want us to have the same political divisions. I want to—I mean, our division should be over maybe hermeneutics, okay? Not over uh, politics, but so many—our politics, people's politics creep into the church, and they're like a poison. And, I, and I'll just—I'll never forget— um, I think it was a Discover the Word uh podcast, Discover the Word. And I don't even know how many years ago. This is like maybe back in 2015, 2016, back when uh, you know Trump was making talking about the wall, the wall, the wall. And they did a, like a week long or two week podcast series talking about the the Christian attitude towards the foreigner, towards the immigrant. And uh what does the Bible have to say about it? And that I think they I think they said at the time it would become one of the most controversial studies they had ever done. And they got so many emails because people like just lost their minds over the subject. And it's like why it shouldn't be so controversial to say, hey guys, in the culture right now, they're talking about building a wall and And some people want everyone deported. Okay, that's what the culture is talking about. Okay, let's ignore all of that for two weeks. And let's figure out what the Bible has to say. And immediately people get mad. All I'm saying is that just cannot be the way we conduct ourselves. It just cannot be the the way. We still may come to a conclusion. I I, I bet you if I I discuss this with most of the listeners. And we went through all the scriptures. We went through all the scriptures and go, man. The scriptures definitely seem to say we should have this attitude. There's a good chance that even after we looked at all of that, that that most would still come to a conclusion. Yes, but I still believe in a strong border and board and and laws, and and st- people still may come to that conclusion, and that's okay. But hopefully, whenever they talked about it, you could hear more Bible, more scripture, more can we say the mind and the heart of god more than the political rhetoric that's all i want to accomplish i'm not trying to change someone's politic i'm trying to influence it more by scripture than by the rhetoric you get from your your favorite news outlet that has a political uh, leaning that that's all i'm trying to say that that that's what should do so i know i know i'm i'm, I'm somewhat repeating myself, but I'm really trying to get that across because it's such an important concept. We talk, look, we talk about what to do if we, I mean, think about it. This is the way some people handle it, just dealing with this idea. Well, it's not just, it's not right for these foreigners to come over here and take our job and our resources. And so then we get upset because we're, we're victims of injustice in our minds. We've been, we're being treated in an unjust way because they're taking, so we want to respond with whatever. Okay. All I'm saying is maybe, maybe we stop and go, wait a minute. Okay. Yeah. Yes. How do we handle an injustice that's brought towards us? That That's always a biblical response. And then secondly, the, what is our responsibility to To carry out justice in these kinds of difficult situations, what is a just biblical way to look at these situations? I think that is that's all I'm trying to say. I know I'm trying to protect myself from getting bombarded with emails because I know I'm, I'm I'm walking on. You know, you talk about a, a spiritual pitfall, you just you get near this, you're going to cave in and find, and in this case, the pit has spikes at the bottom and you're going to impel yourself on the spikes at the bottom of the pit. There's no win And even bringing this up. That's why most pastors just avoid this with, with everything in them. And I understand why, but I I, I just think it's it's wrong to, to neglect this very difficult situation. So I've given you some verses on justice right? Handling ourselves and business transactions, opening our mouths for those who are defenseless and not showing favoritism. Those are clear biblical examples of how we can carry out justice in our lives and trying to act in a just way. We can all work to put that into practice. We can all do that, right? We can all do that in some way, shape, or form. I, I think, I hope that makes sense. Oh, I'll just give you one example. I, I'm, I'm in Germany during Desert Storm, right? Our plane breaks down in New York City. We end up in uh, Swabrook, I think it's Swabrook Air Force Base in Germany. We, uh, we I'm sent there to set up a, what's called a turnkey facility, not on the base, but in downtown Swabrook, and so that uh, troops that are injured on the front line who need surgical care can be brought to our hospital. It's called a turnkey facility because everything in the building is basically ready to go. You just go in, open the door, and take everything off the shelf, and you've got a full surgical unit set up and mental health, and you've got everything you need ready to go to treat uh, the most serious wounded, right? I have a triage area set up. It's all ready to go. But uh, that, that's located in downtown. So we had to transport back and forth. It was, it was all, all kinds of crazy stories that, that I could tell you about everything that happened there. But it was, it was a cool experience. But while I was there, I needed to buy some uh, shoes. So I went to the base exchange. Basically think of it as an apartment store on a military base. And you don't have to pay any taxes. So that's always a good thing. Um, so I went and I, I, I purchased a number of things. And I can't remember all the things I purchased, but there was a number of things. And I purchased and I got back to the dorm and I looked and I'm like, wait a minute. They didn't charge me for the shoes. I just got these shoes for free, right? Now, everybody in the dorm room was like, oh, man, that's awesome. You got, And I'm like, no, it's not awesome. That's not a good thing. They're like, why not? I'm like, because I didn't pay for them. That's not right. So I grabbed the shoes walked back to the base exchange, walked up to the cash register and said, hey, you didn't charge me for these. And, and, I, and I, I wanted to come back and pay for them. And I'll never forget the cash. The person at the register was like, why did you come back? Like they didn't even understand why I came back. they were like, I wouldn't have come back. And I'm like, well, because they're not mine. They, they don't belong to me unless I purchase them. If I don't purchase them, That means, in a sense, I stole them, whether intentionally or unintentionally, that wouldn't be the right thing to do. Now, I'm going to tell you that there was a part of me that did not want to go back because that was extra money, right? There was extra money, and I could have used it for something else. So, I I mean, I was like, I don't even think I had a stripe on my arm at the time. I was like, because I ended up being deployed for Desert Storm, like, right out of tech school. I I just barely got to my first duty assignment. So I, I was like, you know, Maybe I had one stripe i I, I basically it was you know the lowest rank you could possibly be, so make you know money was a was a very uh, uh, there was there was not a lot of it okay uh, going around but let's put it that way so um i i don't I, want, I don't want you to think that I was godly and righteous no inside i was not i did not want to go back I did not want to go back and and you know what to be fair i don't even know what I would have done if I would have come back and nobody in the dorm would have found out, if all the, the people I lived with in that in, the, in that particular room, if nobody would have known, I don't know what I would have done. So that would have really tested my, my concept of justice and doing the right thing. Because if nobody would have known, Would I? I hope I would have done the right thing, but I'm just being—I mean, I'm a sinner just like you, so so you can sit there and judge me. But but the point is that see that that's like trying to demonstrate justice and doing what's right in a in a business situation. Which when it comes to justice, I, I want you to just realize this is not some clear you know academic concept. That no, this is practical stuff in living out our Christian life. This is practical. How do we deal with people? How do we handle people? How do we how do we care for people? How do we treat people? There's a there's a biblical standard there. There's a, a biblical standard there. It's one of the things I loved about the medical world. For a lot of a lot of reasons, because in, especially in military medicine, which it's made us very unpopular with those in the military. But for example, if if I'm if I'm deployed in a military wartime situation, and we have a, a field unit set up to take care of the the initial, you know, wounds and, and, and damages caused by, you know, a, a wartime environment, our job is to treat the individuals to the best of our ability. But here's the thing, even if an enemy combatant is brought into our medical facility, I'm to treat that enemy combatant just like I would treat one of our own troops. I don't treat, I don't base the treatment on the flag on their shoulder or on their arm. I base it on the severity of the wound and then how running basic triage. Okay, that that person needs to be cared for. But no, 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 no. But my buddy over here, I don't care. It's not based off who's American, who's whatever our, you know, whatever military we would be in a conflict with. I don't care if it's a Muslim terrorist. It doesn't matter. I treat the person, not I'm not treating who they represent, even if they're the enemy, even if I treat them and if they were to get away and to come back and maybe try to kill me, my job is to treat the person because it's treating the human being. I love that concept because to me, that's a biblical idea. That's a biblical idea. I know it goes against practical concepts. I know, I know, know. no, they're trying to kill us. Why would you treat them? You treat our troops first. No, I base it off triage category. Not, not, not that. That's not the way we, we do things. Same in the, in, 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 in the medicine. If, if, if a cop gets brought in who was shot and then the person who shot the cop is brought in, the medical co- community is supposed to focus on treating whoever needs the most urgent care based off triage, not on who committed what crime. It's not based off that. It, it's based off, no, who needs to be cared for. That's, that's kind of a, a, that's a hard concept for some people to grasp and they don't like it. They reject it. But to me, the Bible carries some of those same concepts there. We don't show favoritism. We love even our enemy. We turn the other cheek. We do what is just and right. We, 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 we speak up for, for those who are hurt. There, there's a, there's some biblical concepts there. And, and I, and I think, and I'm, I kind of love those biblical concepts, because, because they're so contrary to my own nature. And they're so contrary to the culture. The culture can't fix its problems because it's so broken. Because they don't have a, a biblical standard. The biblical standard to me, it's comforting to me. Because it at least gives me a standard to strive for. I'm not saying in my heart I always would want to follow that standard. I'm not even saying that I would always carry out that standard because I'm an ungodly person, but I'm saying I love the fact that there's at least this, this is so different than than how we live our lives. And so I just think that when it comes to biblical justice, we need to just spend more time thinking about it and meditating on it, all right? So I've given you some scriptures, but I just want you to really look up scriptures dealing with how to treat the stranger and the foreigner and how to treat the poor and the needy. Just, Just so that you see it. And then you still may say, nope, I still want that wall. I still want Trump back in office. And I still want illegal immigrants deported. Fine. Just make sure it's balanced with the biblical perspective. That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking. Because if, if, because I, and I understand you would have some good arguments on the other side as well about laws and laws being broke. Just make sure you're consistent with, with that as well. But there you have it. I, I hope that was helpful. I hope that was beneficial because, um, I think, I think this just gets overlooked, overlooked so fast. And I, yeah, I'm looking, at, look, I'm, oh, wow. Yeah, I'm looking at a number like Psalm 146, 9. The Lord protects foreigners. He sustains the fatherless and the widow, but the ways of the wicked he frustrates. That's Psalm 146, 9. Again, I, again you're at least getting the heart of God in that. There's lots of cross, I, I wanna do all the cross-referencing for you, but I won't, I won't do that. I won't do that because I don't wanna rob you. All right. I don't want to rob you in any way, shape, or form. But if you need if you uh have any questions, you can email me, newsif at yahoo.com and those on the Discord channel, love to get your thoughts and perspective um on that as well. Um and it's it's look, it's perfectly okay to say, I know what the Bible says, but I don't like it. I know that's what the Bible says, but I struggle with it. I'm I'm look, I'm all for that. I I, I, I just I like to at least acknowledge what the scriptures say and then try to figure out how that applies in everyday life. And when it comes to these complicated issues in our culture, sometimes the Bible doesn't give us clear answers, but at least gives us maybe an attitude that we can check our hearts against, if that makes sense. All right. Email me, have a great night. I'm going to head home before the roads uh, refreeze and I'm trapped here okay, <laughs> because uh, the temperatures are starting to drop again and uh, everything's going to turn back to ice and then I'm going to be stuck here. And so I better get home uh, as soon as possible. So that's what I'm going to do. Hopefully I've accomplished something. Uh, there's so much more I wanted to do today, but I, I didn't know really where to start back. So I, I, I hope that book discussion was somewhat helpful and, uh, and, I, and I just I felt like I had to do something from the Bible study. I I felt like I had to do something, so there we go. All right, everyone have a great night. God bless.